Hey, it's the Jeff Fidoff Show. I'm Tito Jeff Fidoff. Find me on Twitter at that happens. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Got a lot to get to. There's a lot of college football. Um, there's a, uh, a lot of the World Cup. Let's start off talking about the uh, Utah-USC Pac-12 championship game from last night when uh, Utah defeated the Trojans 47-24, ending USC's chances of going to the college football playoff. Look, it's not fair on some levels that USC is going to be on the outside looking in with the CFP. I mean, the Trojans did have to play an extra game, whereas Ohio State, who now is going to be moving on, moving into the CFP, USC had to play an extra game. That part's a little bit not fair, I would say that. Also, Heisman Trophy candidate uh, quarterback Caleb Williams of USC was injured in the game, and he couldn't be Caleb Williams. He hurt his leg, and he also hurt his finger, but the leg was the big thing. You can tell he's out there limping around, looking like Byron Leftwich from Marshall from years back, if you remember that. But his ability to run um, and his, his team's option with the run, where it would, even if he's not running the ball, if he's a threat to run the ball, it changes things drastically for USC's offense. He was not a threat to run. The RPO didn't matter. The, um, the option didn't matter. Utah knew he was not going to run the ball for the last half of that game. It was rendered moot. And if, he, if he's healthy, look, if Caleb Williams is healthy, USC could very well win this game. They might have done that. Their defense was awful. But they had to play the extra game where Ohio State got to sit at home, and their, their star quarterback was injured. So that's a couple of things. So there's two reasons, two arguments you can make why USC should not be punished for this. Had to play the extra game, their star quarterback, the Heisman Trophy candidate, Caleb Williams, was injured. However, let me throw two strong counterpoints out at you. USC is being judged strongly, harshly, by the outcome of one game. Other losses to the Utes, the Trojans were undefeated. If they win the game on Friday, they're in the CFP. But they did not win that one game they had to win to guarantee a spot in the CFP. One game they had to win, they didn't do it on a neutral site, against Utah for whatever reason. Yeah, Caleb Williams got hurt. I got that. Ohio State, though, is also being judged strongly on one game, the similar blowout loss to Michigan. Ohio State had to win one game, one game to get into the playoffs. If they win that game, regardless of the Big Ten championship, the Buckeyes are in. They rolled through the regular season undefeated. USC now has two losses, non-conference champion. Ohio State, one loss, non-conference championship. But the loss to Michigan the Buckeyes are undefeated. So the Buckeyes did not win the game they had to win. USC did not win the game they had to win. And USC also had another loss during the regular season. Likewise, when it comes to the Caleb Williams injury, although disappointing, because look, he's, he's a dynamic player. We saw him bust out a couple of long runs. USC's offense was completely different without Caleb Williams being healthy. That also showed, though, exposed a lack of diversity within the USC offense. If all it took was a leg injury, didn't force him out of the game, but it did not make it hurt him. He could not be the same player he always was, though. But if all it took was a leg injury to Williams to make their offense predictable and ineffective, then how strong is this USC team? He needs to be able to overcome something like that. When Ohio State lost to Michigan, it wasn't because of an injury. Ohio State's dealt with injuries all year long when it comes to running backs, when it comes to wide receivers. Look, the best receiver in the country coming back was Jackson Smith and Jigba. And he's only played a couple of quarters this year is all. So they had they also haven't had their running back, their full running crew available to them. I don't think for any game since it'd be the first game of the season. 
maybe not even then, but they haven't had the whole, the full complement of running backs there. So there's a lot going on there. The Michigan win at Ohio State, in my opinion, was quite fluky because of how many big plays Michigan was able to make. They had, you know, 60, 70, 80 yards. They had like four plays that were huge plays that led them to the victory of Ohio State. Hats off to Michigan. I'm just saying that I think if Ohio State-Michigan played today on a neutral site, the Buckeyes would be favored. That's why I believe Ohio State deserves being over USC. Today we've got TCU taking on Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there because TCU is only like a one-and-a-half-point favorite. So It's going to be a close game. If TCU loses, they could drop to four. I still think they're in. I don't think Alabama or Tennessee or USC get in. If TCU loses in a competitive game. Now, if they go out and get beat like, um, you know, by 30 points or something, then I could see an argument, maybe move Alabama up there or even leave USC in there. I don't think Tennessee can make the jump. But if TCU keeps it close, relatively close, and either if they win, they stay at three. If they lose, they'll drop to four, and Ohio State would jump them. Also, the same thing, we've got LSU and uh, Georgia today. What would happen if Georgia would lose? Michigan could move to one then if Michigan blows out Purdue. Or if Georgia has a close game with LSU and Michigan throttles Purdue, you could make the case that Michigan should jump to number one. I'm not sure the best team in the country is. I think Ohio State matches up better with Georgia than Michigan does, but we'll see on the field when it happens. I'm excited Ohio State's in, as you can see by the hat. I'm an Ohio State fan, obviously, um, but I, I think Ohio State deserves to be in over USC. Two loss USC, one loss Ohio State. Ohio State lost to the number two team in the college football playoff right now in the rankings, whereas USC lost twice to someone who's not a playoff contender. Three loss Utah, who's now headed to the Rose Bowl to likely take on Penn State. Look, Utah looked great last night. I don't know if I would want a piece of them in the CFP. I'm glad they're not in that. Uh, but TCU, Kansas State today, Michigan, Purdue today. We'll see what happens in those games. That has a lot to do still with how it's going to be all play out when they announce the uh, the playoff final rankings coming up this uh, after this weekend. All right, World Cup match versus Netherlands today for uh, Ohio State, uh, for Ohio State, the United States. It's critical to the growth of soccer in the United States. Uh, Christian Pulisic has a chance to become that rare U.S. soccer team superstar. And that may do a lot to spark the interest of the sport in this country, but for how long will it sustain? Look, we've had people come through before. In the 94 World Cup, when it was here in the United States, uh, there was Tony Miola. Um, there was uh, Lexi Lawless, guys that were really, at the time, considered to be like these superstars for this World Cup United States team. It didn't last. Um, this time around, the United States has got a young team that's probably going to play together in the next World Cup as well in 2026 when it's in North America. But it's an important moment now for this. In Ohio, a win for the United States. God, I'm going Ohio State again. The win for the United States, getting them to, the, to the, the quarterfinals, to the final eight teams, would be huge for this. Here's part of the problem, though. Soccer is not conducive to the United States sports fans because there are too many differences in how we consume sports. I know I'm going to sound like old guy, get off my lawn when I say these things, but little things. In the game, the clock doesn't stop. They do extra time at the end, which we're never sure how much extra time there is until the end of the game and someone holds up a sign that says there's this much time left. The clock counts up instead of down. Minor things, and I know there are diehard soccer fans out there to tell me probably to shut the hell up right now, but those are things, though, that does make it harder for a typical you know, lifelong United States sports fan to understand. It's different. It's a different sport in the way we consume it. 
we're used to time going down, time stopping on injuries or timeouts or whatever, time stopping when the ball goes out of bounds. Things, it's just, it's different. Not saying it's worse. I'm just telling you it's different. There's also friendlies, there's transfers, there's international leagues. And the United States, quite frankly, does not dominate soccer like they would in football if they played international football games, like they do in basketball, men's and women's both. Um, it's not the same. They're not as competitive, even in hockey. Hockey, though, in the United States at least, they are competitive. Like every year in the Olympics come along, every four years the Olympics come along, the United States play in the Olympics, you're thinking, okay, they've got a really good shot at meddling, which would mean a top three team. The U.S. soccer team, you do not look at them as a top three contender every World Cup. That also hurts it. So also the way the, the friendlies work, and um, I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's hard to tell which soccer matches mean more, which ones are real, which ones are just exhibitions, you know, which one should we really pay attention to? There's so much moving moving parts, so many moving parts to all that. Now, soccer has been trying to make its mark here God, for 50 years. Uh, there used to be the North American Soccer League. Pele came here and played in the NASL and tried to spark soccer then. The MLS has done a great job of it, no doubt about it. But it is what it is. I don't think it will ever be more than the fifth or sixth most important sport in this country. It's not to say it's not a great sport. I love the World Cup. I love watching the United States. I love seeing people excited about soccer. That's great. But I compare this to a company that they wanted to come in and compete with like Coke, Pepsi, Dr. Pepper, Sprite, whatever, et cetera. A company coming in and trying to do that. You would have to overcome decades and decades of domination of the market from those brands in order to become mainstream. It's not easy. It might never happen. But if you can have that, that niche, if you can develop that um, – that, that level of interest, though, among a, among a group, then you can succeed. But you, you'll you never beat Coke. You'll never beat Disney. You'll never beat, um, you know, Pepsi. You'll, you won't beat them. It's not going to happen. You might be able to get close to that, but you're not going to get there. Now, I know what I'm saying is nothing new. Like I said, I do sound like that old man saying, get off my lawn. But I'm excited about the World Cup. A win would be significant today against the Netherlands, the United States. If they can get that victory, get to the eight. My God, after that, they beat Argentina, get the four. The play, It'll have great interest, no doubt about it. I just don't know if soccer is going to be able to sustain that, that popularity going forward. All right. A photo surfaced from 65 years ago showing a 14-year-old Jerry Jones, owner of the Dallas Cowboys now, but 14 years old back then, uh, with a group of classmates that were blocking the entrance of African-American students attempting to attend his high school in Little Rock. LeBron James called out the media. LeBron criticized the media because they are quick to ask him about other non-sports topics like the recent Kyrie Irving situation or really anything that goes on in the, in the world outside of sports. He, the, the, you know, he gets asked a lot of questions by the media about those things. He was upset that nobody bothered to ask him his thoughts on the Jerry Jones thing. That part, to me, a little bit petty because LeBron could always make a statement whenever he wants and everyone's going to listen. He could put out, he's, he has such a, a wide reach in the media world. He could have commented, not waited to be asked. So he was upset, though, that the media neglected to ask LeBron about the photo showing Jerry Jones doing this as part of a group blocking the entrance. Now, Jerry Jones responded. He did say he respects LeBron, appreciates LeBron's opinions, and what LeBron has done regarding sports and social issues. Like Jones heaped a ton of praise on LeBron, said that he was proud when he heard LeBron was a Cowboys fan. LeBron has now said he's not really a Cowboys fan because of the way they were kneeling before the national anthem and all that. 
So LeBron has kind of um, renounced his uh, fandom to the Dallas Cowboys. But Jerry Jones, though, said nothing but wonderful things about LeBron James. And said, you know, I love the way LeBron, I have a great deal of respect for LeBron. I'm glad that he he talks about these things. I'm glad that he uses this platform to get a message of positivity and to try to change things and try to um, make the world better with some of the things he does and says. So Jerry Jones started, he did say all those things. Loved LeBron. Now, Jerry Jones also said he wasn't there to participate in blocking students from entering. He said he was only there as an observer. He played high school all the time, and he said that he was told by his high school coach, he and his teammates were told, to stay away from the situation. Don't go down there. Jones said he went down there just to see what was going on. Now, maybe that's the truth. Uh, Jones is not at the front of the group. If you look at the photo, he's back towards maybe the middle of the end of the pack that's there you can see in the photo. But that isn't the point. Should LeBron and other African-Americans be upset about something that happened 65 years ago? Should they be angry? Jones for something he did when he was 14 years old. There's been criticism about the fact that the Cowboys have never hired an African-American head coach. And so should should African-Americans, should LeBron, should all these people be upset about something that happened 65 years ago when there's nothing that, that shows that Jones has been done anything like on this level or been a racist at all since then? The answer to this, I don't know. I, I can't relate. I have no idea how LeBron and others should feel about it. I cannot relate. I'm in no position to admonish James for his feelings. I haven't been in his shoes. I can't express his mother's perspective. I can't explain how his grandparents or his great-grandparents should feel about this. I have no idea. I cannot relate. I don't, I, I don't always agree with LeBron James. I don't agree with what he says all the time. I always appreciate, though, anyone with influence speaking up if he or she feels like something is wrong, was done wrong, and wants things to be different and better going forward. So I can't understand. I can't sit here and say, LeBron, you're right. Try to understand though what LeBron is feeling, what are behind his words. Anybody, anyone who is offended by this and is having a hard time with this, and there may be players that are for the Cowboys that are having a hard time with it. Maybe not. Maybe there's people that have known Jerry Jones since he was 20 and say, This is not Jerry Jones. But I can't excuse Jerry Jones' behavior. I can't say LeBron James is right or wrong. I can't say LeBron shut up. It was 65 years ago because I don't know how it affects him. I don't know how it affects other people of color that may look at that and can relate to something happened in their lives when they were younger and get angry about it. The same way the Kyrie Irving thing, when Kyrie Irving came out and was promoting, I guess, a movie that had some anti-Jewish thoughts and questioning things about the Holocaust, I can't understand, I can't like say how much that bothers me. I'm not Jewish. Now, I imagine a Jewish person would have a different perspective. If you knew somebody, if you were related to somebody in the Holocaust, and Kyrie Irving came out questioning some of the validity of the, the, the stats and the happenings around the Holocaust, a Jewish person is going to have a much different reaction than I am. I can't tell the Jewish person, look, this is a long time ago. Let it go. The same way I can't tell LeBron, hey, this incident was a long time ago. Let it go. 
because I'm not in their shoes. I am very open, though, and welcome any conversations about things that can make the world better and bring us closer together. And maybe this will. Maybe Jerry Jones will have a different perspective on things now. I don't know if he'll apologize. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. But there's a conversation going on right now because of this. And I'm glad that's happening. All right, that's it for me. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at That Happens. Also, we're going to come back later on uh, tomorrow. We're going to talk about what happened in the, in the Big 12 championship game, the Big 10 championship game, where the CFP is headed. But this has been the Jeff Fidoff Show. I'm Tito Jeff Fidoff. Follow me on Twitter, at That Happens. Have a great Saturday, folks.